Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. If you want to get in touch with the show, email us at IllegalMotionPodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Illegal underscore Motion. Thanks for downloading. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Los Angeles, California, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And coming to us straight off the preseason scrimmage in Nashville, Tennessee, it's the coach, Corey Burton. Well, uh, we're feeling a lot better tonight, Perk. I wish, uh, I hope you can uh, have a speedy recovery, a little bit under the weather, but hey, it's all right. We're, we're, we're doing a show. We're back with you here for the Big 12. But as far as our scrimmage goes, man, we, we've, this is our second one in a row. And, you know, last night we took one on the chin a little bit. We're, weren't too ready mentally and then tonight i think we came out ready to fight ready to compete and you know the kids answered the bell so i feel pretty good about it so um you know we got one more next week and then then we we go for real so uh but that being said man let's, let's get going with the show man all right, dude, let's get after it. But we would be remiss if we did not introduce the third amigo in the second city, uh, a man who will be keeping his eyes firmly affixed on the 31st Olympiad in Rio de Janeiro. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the Olympics. Pull back the curtain and how we do this pod. We have to work around three different schedules in two different time zones. So tonight, made a personal sacrifice paused the the, uh, the opening ceremony, but from what I saw, it looked really good. The history nerd in me liked uh, seeing Brazil kind of talk about their country's history, and then I had to start talking about the Big 12. You wouldn't want to be anywhere else, would you, Josh? Hey, look, it's the Big 12. I mean, if we're talking about a conference that I really cared about, I'd be more enthusiastic, but, I mean, we're going to be talking about Kansas football. Can't get that jazzed. All right. Well, uh, we are going to be talking Kansas football, um, but uh, before that, a little bit, uh, just quick bit of headline news. Um, and Coach, uh, we really want to get your thoughts on the situation um, about Nick Saban and graduate transfers from Alabama. Uh, I know that Josh, you had you had something to say about this too. So why don't you set up the situation for us? Uh, well, I think Coach can do a better job for it. Mine was just an initial opinion, which is the kids graduated. If he wants to go and play for Kirby Smart let them go. I know there's been previous players that are less talented there on the depth chart that have transferred to Georgia and Saban hasn't cared. It's just, I don't know if it's because this kid is, is a better player or he still has some animosity for smart leaving his staff, but it's just at this point, it's Saban being Saban. That doesn't mean it's right. He's being a jerk about it. And I'll give the Florida, the coach. He absolutely is. I mean, you know, there's no reason to do that. I mean, the kid's a graduate transfer. He wants to, he wants to go play for somebody he had a had a great relationship with. Uh, you know, Kirby recruited him, um, groomed him, made you know, developed him, and, and and he wants to go finish out his career with Kirby Smart. And, and there shouldn't be any issues with that. I mean, the kid's a talented kid, but you know, if you're Nick Saban and you're confident in what you have, you know, let him go. But, you know, I'm confident with what I got. I'm not worried about this guy. He wants to go, let him go, and, and we can still line up and compete. But, I mean, this is just this is just a, a sign, in my opinion, that, that Nick Saban is just, you know, he felt like he lost his right hand, so he don't know what to do. So, just like, okay, well, 
maybe I just need to take some resources away from Kirby and maybe I just need to pull back a little bit. And, you know, I said all the things in the press that I wanted to say about Kirby getting this opportunity. Now it's time to, to, to take back over and, and, and just be myself again and, and, and be a jerk about everything. And, you know, he, he just, to me, it just seems like he, he, he's scared that Kirby's going to overshadow him. He's scared that Kirby's going to get to Georgia has some tremendous success, and he, he doesn't want that to happen. He's not ready for that to happen. He still wants to be the guy, and, and, and he always wants to be the guy, and, and he's not comfortable enough in his own coaching ability to let this kid transfer as a graduate transfer. I, I would understand maybe if it was, you know, he was an undergrad transfer, and, you know, he still had three years left. The kid has one year left. You know, what, you know, what harm is it really going to do? And I think that's annoying about Saban, too, is for as great as a coach as he is, all those championships, he left Michigan State in the lurch. He left LSU in the lurch, and now he's jerking around with a kid who's, as far as I can tell, has done nothing but good things in Tuscaloosa. And yeah, I mean, like, he's, not, he's not doing right by the kid. Yeah, and it's like... I mean, obviously kids want to play for Alabama. Kids want to win a national title. But, I mean, how much bull crap does Saban have to go through before kids start going, you know what, there are better bosses out there? Yeah, and, and, and you can feel – Saban's feeling the pressure about that. I mean, you know, people are going to realize that Kirby was the glue that was holding all that thing together. And, and you know, that, that may or may not be true, but this is the first sign of – Hey, maybe there's a crack in the foundation. Kirby Smart left. Maybe that lose. Maybe Saban's feeling the heat a little bit. Maybe he's feeling the pressure now. Now he's got to. Now he's got to do it with what he feels like lesser staff. I mean, Kirby. Let's see. Kirby's been with Saban since I think he went to the Dolphins, right? If I if I remember correctly, he he joined Saban with the Dolphins. Uh, I think he was with Saban. Then he went to Georgia for a year as running backs coach, and he went back to the Dolphins. And then he was—he's been with him ever since, and so I, I think Saban just—he feels a little different without him, and, and you, know, you hate to see it because Saban's such a brilliant football mind. He—he—he's he, he, above this. He's better than this. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see if this has sort of a negative effect on you know their recruiting down the line, um, or you know, I mean, it probably won't. I mean, it, honestly, it probably won't because they're Alabama and. You know that, that just that school recruits itself, but you know, and, and one, it doesn't. And, one, one and it was. No, sorry. The one thing I know about Alabama usually though is that there are a lot of you know a, a lot. They have uh, so much elite talent, but they have a lot of kids who transfer out of there as well. And obviously, part of that is playing time. Um, but you know, they process too. I mean, they get they get cut. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's pretty cutthroat. Um, you know, but yeah, I guess, it really is. That's the cost of doing business on the highest level these days. So yeah, I mean, I, I would still be, I would still be upset if this kid was trying to transfer to Arkansas. I mean, it, where he's trying to transfer to doesn't make a difference. I, I think he's not doing right by the kid, and the kid feels like he has a relationship with a great relationship with a coach that he wants to go spend his last year of college football with. Uh, why, why not let him do it? You know, he's not doing right by the kid. That's that's what makes me more upset than just him blocking and transfer to Georgia. I mean that's you know, that, that's that's a sec, that's a secondary, maybe even way on down the line, you know, point. But he, he's just 
Yeah, definitely not. Well, um, we it's time for us to shift gears here a little bit and start talking, uh, you know, another conference preview. So it's time to do the Big 12, um, the smallest conference uh, left in the country these days with only 10 teams. Um, so just like every time uh, before this, we're going to start at the bottom and move our way top uh, to the top. This time we don't have divisions. So we're starting at the bottom of the conference, and it was with one of our uh, – uh, team with great betting lines last year. Uh, that is the uh, Rock Chalk Jayhawks of Kansas. Um, head coach David Beatty off to an auspicious start, um, <laughs> to say the least, uh, after coming in as a recruiting coordinator from uh, Texas A&M, I believe. Um, he has now uh, started his career by going over. So, uh, Josh, will the Jayhawks win a game this year? Well, that's the that's the question, and um, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to give a little silver lining about Kansas because the kids know they have a bad team. Fans know that. Boosters know that. But let's look at some incremental stuff, and I think that you brought up a good point. David Beatty, he obviously knows football because you're not a coach or a recruiting coordinator if you don't know anything about the game but he just doesn't have head coaching experience. So you can say maybe this team will learn together and grow together after last year's lumps. Ryan Willis averaged nearly 200 yards a game, improved as the year went on. So despite a multitude of problems, I think Kansas might have a quarterback. Uh, The secondary is anchored by Fish Smithson. That should prevent Kansas from being the nation's worst defense again. They still might be the worst in the league, but – maybe some incremental improvement there. Um, but let's get to down to the facts. They have a massive talent gap between everyone else in the league. The running game and offensive line are a mess. So that really puts a lot of pressure on a young quarterback. And that all ties back to the previous regime. And I can't stress this enough. Charlie Weiss destroyed this team by trying to win quick to save his job with a bunch of Juco gambles. They didn't pan out. So Baby inherited a team that really had about as many scholarship players as USC did on probation. This thing was a mess. It's going to be a three- to five-year fix at the absolute best, and that's assuming Beatty knows what he's doing. So personally, I'm looking for statistical improvement, some competitive improvement, and, hey, if they get a win or two, great um, it's really hard to go winless back-to-back years, so I'm sure they'll stumble upon a win or two. And my hope is that Willis will t- continue to grow this year and they can have a quarterback for his junior and senior year to try and build this team. You know, I, I, as much as we, we bang on Kansas, as much as we hammer them, uh, as much as we, we poke fun at them, I, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for them a little bit. You know, I, I, I think – you know, Beatty was, you know, was dealt a horrible hand. And, and when I say horrible hand, I'm not even giving it justice. But uh, I, I think that he was a guy that he just was kind of left over. You know, everyone was like, nah, I ain't touching that. I'm not touching that job. And then he was just kind of the guy that was sitting there, like, in the corner. And they, they like, pointed out and said, hey, you, you, you want to be a head coach? Sure. So uh, it's just one of those things where, He's in way over his head. I, I'm not sure that he can handle, and this is why some things are, are, are such a mess, and he's trying to fill up positions and things like that. He knows what he's doing. 
I Josh alluded to that, and, and I totally wholeheartedly agree with that. He knows what he's he knows what he's doing football wise. I just don't think he. You can see the inexperience where details of certain part of the parts of the program are are fading. I mean, it's like he tries to address recruiting, and then you know the, he, he he takes some time off developing, and just just doesn't seem like he, he can get all of this stuff in a row right now. And it just seems like everything is is moving way too fast for him. So. You know, I, I, I'm rooting for him to do well because, you know, it gives me a better chance of, be, uh, of taking the fast track to a college head coaching job because uh, if a guy coming from recruiting coordinator can jump straight into a job like that, gives chance, gives hope to a lot of these off-the-field type positions. So um, we'll keep our eyes on that. I, I think they'll get a win or two this year. I don't think they'll go over again. But uh, he's got a huge uphill climb. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of a lot more of the same, but I think they get a win or two. Is the only difference. Uh, where do you think that win's going to come from? I have no idea. Uh, well, they they, op- get- they opened the year with Rhode Island, so I- I'm thinking yeah. that that's going to be their best shot. They went obviously yeah. last year. Uh, they determined that it was not the best idea to uh, go ahead and play a good FCS team, South Dakota State. So they decided to go with a mediocre one. Um, maybe they can get that win um, at home in week one. If not, it's going to be a long season. Maybe against Ohio, um, you know. But I Yeah, mean, they got a chance against Ohio. Maybe, that, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll get lucky, get those two wins, and yeah. all so, the successful years. Probably looking at an over there. Uh, in uh, in conference, so uh, let's move uh, move on up to uh, uh, both uh, on our rankings and geographically up to Ames, Iowa, home of the Cyclones. Our pick to be number nine in the Big Twelve this year. Um, Josh, this is uh, your uh, a team in your home state, it's not your home team, <laughs> but um, it is a, it is a team in your state. Uh, are they the third best team in the state of Iowa again this year? No. And in fact, you guys might have them ninth or whatever. Yeah, ninth. You guys both have them ninth. I don't have them ninth. Let me stress that. Uh, Hawkeye fan throwing some love to Cyclone Nation because they have Mike Warren. He was buried to start the year with just nine carries and 28 yards in his first two games. Over the final 10, he averaged 131 yards, gentlemen, and exploded for 245 against Texas Tech. And in the bright moment of the season last year when Iowa State shut out Texas, he gashed the horns for 157 yards. He's the Big 12's best-kept secret nationally. And the sooner my Hawkeyes get done playing the Cyclone team with Warren in our rearview mirror, the happier I will be. The offensive line is way above average for what you would expect from a 3-9 team that fired their coach. Alan Lazard is a solid wide receiver. And I think if his fellow wideouts are a tight end step up, It'll make it harder for Big 12 teams to just double-team them. Uh, My two concerns about this team, Joel Lanning, and if he doesn't win the job, he should, but if he doesn't, is there a Big 12-worthy quarterback on this roster? Lanning had flashes last year, but uh, I'll believe it when I see it. The defense was 107th a year ago. Can they take that necessary step forward? But stop the presses, guys. I have Iowa State making a bowl game. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Well, All right. Let, let me okay. tell you why. Let me, let me tell you why before he has, you know, rain on my parade, but I'll tell you why. Um, Northern Iowa is a good FCS team, but they should still be able to beat them. I think they'll be able to beat San Jose State. They host 
four or they host three beatable teams, Kansas State, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. Honestly, they care more about the rivalry with Iowa than the Hawkeyes do. And you know first-year coach Matt Campbell will want to make an early statement, so that could be a trap game for the Hawkeyes. They crushed Texas a year ago, so we know they're capable of more than their 3-9 and nine record. A lot of that had to do with coaching drama between Paul Rhodes and Mangino. And last but not least, I just mentioned like five to six winnable games, and I haven't even brought up the Jayhawks yet. So I think there are six wins on the schedule, maybe even more if they get a few bounces. I kind of like where this program's at. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that's the positive. I, I like what they hired with Matt Campbell. I thought they did a tremendous job there and in, in, in getting him to take over that program. I, I think it's a program that has a lot of potential and should do well, typically. Um, you know, Paul Rhodes was, 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 was thought of to, to be that guy to come in and lead the program, and he just fell apart. Um, but you see what they're capable of, but I just don't think they're there yet. I really don't. And, you know, I, I think they're a year away from really just learning how to compete and win. When you go three and nine and you've been pretty, I, I don't want to say they've been horrendous. Um, they've probably been the most, they're probably the most, one of the more competitive three and nine teams, as long as that is to say. But, um, I, I think it's one of those things where, They've just got to learn how to compete and win. You know, they've just got to learn how to take some of those losses and, and turn them into wins. And, you know, I, I know that seems kind of obvious to say, but that's that's a, that's a, a mindset that once it creeps in, it's, uh, it's bad and it's toxic. You know, it, it's it's one of those situations that uh, where I'm at right now, we're, we're trying to reverse that. They've, uh, the, the school that I'm at right now has just been under the same mindset of just, hey, we're used to losing, we're used to losing. It's just the same old. Um, hey, coach, I wanted to run. Something, I wanted to run something by you because, like, you know, they went three and nine, but they they had an overtime game with Toledo. They lost by four to Oklahoma State. They lost by three to Kansas State. So I mean, it's, it's just not knowing how to finish. Yeah. They, they don't. They don't have that finisher's mentality yet because they're not used to it. They're not used to being able to win those type of ball games. All right, Oklahoma State is with Matt Campbell. Toledo is. Uh, you know, they're not used. They're not. They weren't ready to win those games mindset wise. So, you know, with Matt Campbell, maybe they get over the hump in a few of them. Maybe they go five and seven, six and six. I mean, I, I think it's. I think it's definitely doable. But I, I think they just need to instill that culture and, and, and compete, maybe win a couple more of those ball games, take a few more lumps and then and then let us go. They'll be I, I think I think they're real close, but I, I think they're gonna be right there on the cusp, but I think the Big Twelve is gonna be a little bit more competitive than 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 we think. So uh, that's why I'm finishing ninth right now because you know, I'm just not ready to believe in them yet. I'm just not ready to take that chance. But I think that they're they're a team that I'm really intrigued by, uh, based on who they hire. Well, the one thing that I that if you are a, a Cyclone fan that you have to like, especially about this team on their on their defensive side of the ball, at least, is that they have a very strong secondary. Um, they have probably four guys who um, any four of them could could start at most schools in the Big 12 at corner. Um, obviously, maybe not at Oklahoma, but you know, I think they, they have four quality. 
uh, starter quality guys. And so obviously the Big 12, a lot of teams like to air it out a lot. You need a lot of good bodies in the secondary, and they've definitely got it. So they should be able to cover some people. Now it's up to see if uh, DeMond Tucker and uh, Justin Thomas are going to be able to get after the quarterback. Um, you know, both of them um, have shown a little bit of promise in the past, but I'm not sure if, you know, they're going to need to step it up to the next level in order to, um, you know, because as good as, uh, as good of, at covering uh, receivers as the secondary is, you know, can't cover them all day. And it's up to the defensive line to really get after the quarterback. And um, uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, so um, anyhow, we need to keep it moving along, um, and we now move to uh, eighth place, which in which we find the Kansas State Wildcats. Um, Bill Snyder somehow still alive and still coaching. Um, wow, <laughs> you know he's uh, he's been around for a while. Um, let's face it, twenty four years and during two different stints as the head coach of Kansas State. Um, and you know, it's, it's going to be another Bill Snyder team. So, um, they have the potential to win almost any game because, uh, Josh, one thing we do know is that they're going to be well coached. Yeah. Um, we could wax poetically about Bill Snyder for an hour. So I'm just going to leave it at that and jump into the people actually on the field. And one thing I'm looking for is an improvement in their offensive consistency. When you look at their box scores last year, they did some great work in some crazy shootouts, but then they also struggled mightily at times. I think a lot of that had to do with the quarterback, and that is Jesse Ertz won the job last year, got hurt the opening drive of the first game of the year, and was out for the year. So Joe Hoogner is a nice running threat, but he didn't really have the arm to be a consistent threat in the passing game. So with Ertz healthy or Hoogner showing progress, throwing, I think the offense will be a lot more consistent. Either way, State has some options under center. The defense, this is probably the best defense Bill Snyder's had in several years. The linebacking core is just a tick below the cream of this league, but they aren't that far off. Uh, Jordan Willis and Tanner Wood at end, combined with Will Geary, make this a good foundation at defensive line as well to really let those linebackers run loose. And also, Dante Bennett, they're a really good safety. He's back from injury. So I got three positives going in the direction for Kansas State. So as a result, I'm way higher on this team than I know you guys are. And if it wasn't for a complete mess at at wide receiver and a few lingering doubts I have about their offensive line, I would put Kansas State even higher. To me, they are a bull team, and they're an upset or two away from eight or more wins. And I'll give you one of those potential upsets. So we saw Stanford start last year horribly slow against Northwestern. Uh Cardinal are breaking in a new quarterback. Hogan's graduated. This defense, they're capable. I know the farm is a tough place to win, but I would put that upset at around like 45%. I think Kansas State can pull it off. So you've heard it here first. got Iowa State making a bowl game, and Kansas State possibly throwing the tournament into whack by knocking off Stanford early in the year. We're, we're doing crazy stuff here in the Big 12, or at least I am. Coach? 
Oh, we might have lost him. Oh, I think we lost the coach. Well, uh, then I will uh, go ahead here for uh, a he fainted. He fainted at my Kansas State stuff. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty intense. I mean, you, <laughs> you, you did show a lot of love for uh, the Wildcats. Um, you know, I, I think with, with K-State, they always have – uh, you know, a, a solid D. They're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna have the best athletes out there on defense. Um, and you know, but I, the thing I worry about them, the opposite of Iowa State, uh, their secondary can't stay healthy. Um, yeah. you know, they, uh, they had a rash of guys get injured last year. Not all of them are 100% back. A lot of them weren't playing in the spring, dealing with issues. And you know, so obviously, I think this is going to be a recurrent theme here. But you know. The Big 12, they toss the ball around the yard a little bit. And if you're secondary, if you've got young guys in the secondary, you're going to get burned by some of these high-powered attacks from Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, you know. So it, it's going to be tough for, um, you know, for them if they don't have, you know, the defensive backfield to keep up with wide receivers of the rest of the league. It's going to be tough for them to score uh, – uh, for them to score to keep up with everyone else. So, um, Coach, are you back? I'm back. Uh, I've had some horrendous technical difficulties. I don't know what happened. My phone just. Uh, I figured. I figured me picking Kansas State in an upset special against Stanford like just had you faint or something. It probably did. Like my phone, I think just literally like grew legs and jumped out the window or something. <laughs> um, all right. So catch me up. What, what have I missed? Uh, basically, uh, Josh picked uh, Kansas State to beat uh, Stanford in the opening game. Uh, I said they got about a forty-five percent shot, but I got I got State in a bowl game, and I thought maybe an upset or two they could pull off eight plus wins. I kind of like this team. Uh, yeah, I, I do too. I, I, I just hope you know I, I was gonna I was like ready to jump on the point of, of consistency, and they just that's what they need desperately. They get Ertz back and. Uh, I don't. I don't know that they could beat Christian McCaffrey. Um, I'm not saying anything about Stanford. That's pretty much their team this year. But um, I, I, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to jump on that bandwagon that much. But I, I think they are a bowl team, Kansas State. I just think they, you know, they were a couple things away um, from having a really good season, and, and they just it, it's just kind of I, I don't know what's going on. And sometimes you just have those have those moments where where things just fall apart for you. And when, you know, when you're riding high with your starting quarterback and you feel good about him, he gets hurt open the series. That's a tough thing to come back with. That's a tough thing to come back from. That's a tough bit of adversity to, uh, to, to, to recover from, especially that early in the season. So, you know, I, I think that you know, your second string guy doesn't really come in and command as much as your first, as that first string guy. And, and, the, and the consistency shows and goes with that. All right. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, we'll, we'll, I think there are for, you know, for Bill Snyder team, I think there are a little bit more, there are a couple more question marks this year than usual. So, um, but Josh, you're pretty high on them. So uh, we'll see. I'd like to, for me, it's just, like I said, it's going to come down to the defense and, um, you know, but uh, we will, I mean, we, we know that their schedule um, is, you know, is going to be relatively tough. But I think they've definitely got some winnable games, and Josh likes them in the opener. So we'll see what happens. Um, so moving uh, next, we have uh, the team that geographically does not fit in. Uh, that is the West Virginia Mountaineers. And um, it is Dana Holgerson's sixth year in the job. 
Um, he's eight games over 500, 36 and 28. And uh, Josh, I know, you know, uh, you in the past have been critical of Holgerson. And so I'm, I'm curious as to what you think this is, what this team, this year's team is going to look like. Uh, well, I'm going to be down on him again. And if I'm talking up Iowa State and Kansas State and have them do a lot better than you guys do, that means someone needs to take a bit of a slide. And that team is West Virginia. <laughs> um, so I'll start with the positives about this team. Uh, of, all the, of all the clubs in the lower tier of this conference, I do believe West Virginia has the best offensive line of that group. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but Noble uh, Nwakach, uh, N-W-A-C-H-U-K-W-U. Uh, that's a tough name. Nwakachku. No, thank you. Nwakachku. Got it. Nwakachku. Right. Perfect. Thank you, Coach. He had eight and a half sacks last year to key the defense. Uh, if the rest of the players around him progress, maybe they build on that side of the ball. But I'm going to tell you why I'm way down on West Virginia, and I'm selling this team. Skylar Howard. I'm not convinced he's any good. He had 3,145 yards a year ago. He's a little agile. He had 129 rushing yards against Kansas, a few other games where he got stuff going with his feet. But here's the downsides I have on him and why I'm selling him really hard. He had 26 touchdowns a year ago. Nine were in the really soft non-conference slate and five came in a bowl game against that terrible Arizona State defense. That means he had just 12 in nine Big 12 games. He had 14 interceptions, just one in the non-conference, and two in that bowl game. So his league splits for 12 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, that's not going to cut it. He had a completion percentage under 60, and he had 31 sacks behind a line that blocked really well in the ground game and I think is the best of this lower-tier Big 12 team. To me, that means he's holding on the ball way too much. Other side of the ball, 3-22 and and allowing 30-plus points. Holgerson's been there four full seasons. That means six times a year his defense gags completely. He is the new Larry Fedora of an offensive coach that I don't believe gives two craps about defense. Mountaineers will be an interesting team. It could be a factor. But on the other hand, they could lose to Oklahoma, Baylor, and TCU. They could drop the BYU and Missouri games. Those are both above-average opponents. They could struggle in shootouts against Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. And they could get upset by Kansas State or Iowa State or Texas. The other two, those last two games, Texas and Iowa State, are road dates. So since I'm selling Skylar Howard stock and I have to have a team take a nosedive, obviously I'm taking the ladder. And to preview the wrap-up of our show, West Virginia and Holgerson, they're going to be on some thin ice with a low finish to demoralize the good people of West Virginia. Well, if they don't win early, I think that thing's going to fall apart. I, I think that, that Holgerson is just kind of right there. He's on, he's on thin ice right now. I mean, I, I think he's... I think he's about ready to lose this team because uh, it, West Virginia, when I watch them, when I see them play, they're a very talented bunch. They're fast. They can fly. They got some talented, they got some talented guys over there. All right. They've got some talent. They've got some good people. But it's just a matter of I just don't think they're buying in. You know, I just don't think they fully bought in. and I don't think they ever have. I think offensively, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll have games where they score a whole bunch of points. But – I just, it just don't, you, you watch them and they just don't seem like they're really like 
again to playing for, for Dana Holterson. I don't know what's going on over there, um, but the outward appearance makes it seem like that they just don't want to be there. They don't want they want they want him and I'm just not convinced that Holgerson is is right as a right fit for West Virginia. I, I really don't. I don't. I don't think he's a he's a big time guy. Um, I think as a coordinator, I, I rated Oklahoma State. I thought he I thought he did well there and, and, and helping Mike Gundy, you know, with his with his vision and, and his style of play. But I just think leading this program, and I just don't think he's there. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't mean I think he's a terrible coach overall. I just think as a head coach right now, he's not a good fit or he's not a good fit for West Virginia. One of those scenarios is the right case, but either way, I think they lose a few games early, it's going to get ugly. Matt, you had West Virginia's the highest out of all three of us, right? Um, I have... there's, there's too much talent on the roster for me to pick them last, but I, I just, I'm just not buying it. Actually, Coach has them the highest of all of us. Um, huh. so, yeah. yeah, you do. You, yeah, you do. But, um, I where, where do I have them? You I forgot where I had them. Fourth. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can I change that? <laughs> I, I, I thought about it. I've come to my senses a little bit. Okay, yeah. Um, um, yeah. You, you my, have, my Skyler Howard breakdown has people nervous now. Apparently. Yeah. The, you I, got, I, I got to thinking, I was like, they're just they're, – they're talented. They should be fourth. But – they're not. I, they're one of those teams where I could like slot them in at fourth, or I could slot them in at, at ninth. I mean, I, I could see the argument for both. I guess that that was my rationale. Talent. I guess Maybe. I'll leave it to you, Matt, to because we just both bashed on the Mountaineers pretty hard. You know what? Um, I still. I mean, so, so you took you, you broke down Howard pretty good. Um, and but one of the things that I, you know, I, I see some potential here in a lot of um, in, in a lot of their receiving core, especially. And I think it's one of the better ones in the conference. Um, I mean, I've got them finishing middle of the pack. They're going to be like a four and five, five and four kind of team. Um, but I'm. You know, I, I'm obviously reticent about their defense, but I, I, still, I think their offense can compete with anyone on a, any given day. We, we've seen that before. And so I'm not just going to, like, rule them out on that basis alone. They always seem to be able to put up a ton of yards and a ton of points. So, it's, yeah, some days they're off, but I, they have the threat to uh, put up big numbers. And, you know, you're, sometimes you're just going to get in a shootout in, in the Big 12, and, you know, they're going to be able to score. So, uh, that's why I've got them in the middle of the pack. I don't think they're anything special, but I don't think they're absolutely wretched either. So um, let's uh, let's keep this train shugling right along, and we get to the team most mired in controversy from this offseason, that is the Baylor Bears. Um, and uh, at this point, uh, we all know that Art Bryles has been uh, summarily dismissed uh, from – from the team and they will have to replace or not be able to even replace a lot of their incoming recruits who just goes to go elsewhere. Um, so Josh, you know, where do you even start with this team? Yeah, I guess we have to look at who they do have coming back. And that's, that's the nice thing. I, I know the recruiting took a massive hit, but 
They still have some proven pieces, and that's why I actually think Baylor can still be really competitive. I know you guys uh, have them ranked a lot lower. I'm pretty sure, Matt, you had them ranked the lowest out of all three of us. But I'll, uh, I'll start with Seth Russell. He gets a throw to Katie Cannon and a really good group of uh, wide receivers. They have a deep and talented running back group. They, they don't have one guy that's, like, coming back who had 1,500 yards. They have, like, one of those three-headed monsters where they kind of do a nice rotation. All of them are going to have a high average. All of them are going to have a nice chunky yards at the end of the year. Just none of them are a superstar. They have a talented defensive back line, and they operate in a 4-2-5 scheme, which should really help them against their fellow air raid Big 12 teams. And lastly, Jim Grobe knows how to be a head coach. And the the closest scenario that I could come up with is what Ohio State went through a few years ago when Trestle resigned. And and Luke Fickle knows football. There's a reason why Urban Meyer kept him on the staff. But just like in-game decisions that Luke Fickle never had to make, he just failed at that. And that's why Ohio State didn't live up to their talent in the year that Fickle had to be the head coach. Baylor's not going to have that problem, Jim Grove, but but you talked about it, Matt. You know, Burt Ryle's gone. Big potential for a divided locker room. That's always a concern. Who knows? There could be more fallout from this scandal. But, um, you know, it, even with those unresolved issues and, and even with Seth Russell still having a few health concerns from that neck injury, I still think this is one of the more dangerous teams in the league. They – Go to Oklahoma, which is tough, but they kind of offset that by hosting TCU and Okie State. With three cupcakes in their non-conference, this seems like a solid pick for nine or ten wins, even if they don't win the league. So, you know, I expect a solid season yet again. Yeah, Baylor's one of those teams that that was probably, out of all the conference picks, that was probably trying to slot them in was probably the most difficult thing I, I, I've done because you don't know. Because if you look, even with, with them losing a lot, if you look just at the surface with Seth Russell, Katie Cannon, you know, they, they got a lot of pieces coming back. Um, it seems like they've lost a lot, but they still have a good chunk of that core coming back. And I think Jim Grove, you know, unlike Fickle, is way more experienced. I mean, he's coached in some big games, so you know he knows how to how to play in those situations. So it's not just some guy that that's the interim that you may not know what he can do, or it's a, he's an unknown commodity. I mean, he he's gotten Wake Forest to the Orange Bowl, and that's accomplishment in itself. Now, is he a big time guy that's going to be long term at Baylor? No, not unless he not unless he wins the conference this year. But um, I, I think as far as an interim guy that can get the ship pointed back in the right direction and set up for the next guy, then you know I, I think he's a suitable replacement there. And and I still think he can take advantage of his weapons. I think he's you know I think he's got a good system that fits what Seth Russell can do. Fits uh, with KD Cannon. I think he can he can use those weapons. So uh, I expect Baylor to be very, very competitive uh, if you look at just the football aspect of it. Now, uh, the, the variable here, the, the, the unknown, is whether or not that these distractions will overtake them, whether or not you have strong leaders in the locker room, you know, what, you know, what are the other assistant coaches like, what are the people around the university like, the community, how much support are they getting, 
you know, what's going on with everything surrounding that program is really going to tell the story of of, of Baylor this year and and what they're going to do. That's going to set the tone. So um, if I had to predict it, can't do it. Um, Can't predict it. Can't, you know, can't even imagine the scope of of what's going on with everything and all the distractions surrounding the program. So uh, if I just base it on football and and, and talent alone, um, you know, I I like this team a lot, um, but I really just don't know. Yeah, you know, I I was probably the most down on this team this year out of all of us. And I just think with all the turmoil going on off the field that there's – it's going to be so hard to just – uh, focus on the games. And, you know, even though they do have Katie Ken, who is a truly great receiver, um, uh, he's basically their only really big uh, weapon on, or well, I mean, he's probably, him and Shotgun would make, you know, they do make a nice little uh, tandem there. But uh, the, I think the receivers are young this year. And with, and, you know, we'll see how much it, their offense you know, stutters with the lack of Bryles, who is also, you know, the play caller and just a brilliant offensive mind. And, um, and so I, you know, obviously I don't know if his coaching staff is going to have sort of the same sort of firepower that they did under Bryles, but, um, and you know, you know, Matt, you, you could be right too. Cause we, like I said, we've seen Ohio state falter with an interim coach, uh, the last year with Joe Paterno when that thing unraveled Penn state failed to live up to expectations. So, very, very real concerns. I mean, they could win the league. They could completely implode. We have no idea. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, obviously all eyes are going to be fixed on this team. Like, that'd be interesting to see. I'll, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on them. I mean, but these are 18 to 22 year old kids that, that aren't, you know, that don't that never had to really deal with any of this kind of stuff. So you don't, you really don't know. You really, really don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I, God, it, it's such a tough situation um, because you know, just more and more stories keep coming out about you know cover-ups and crimes, you know, sexual assaults committed by the players, and just the the entire culture of um, you know, you know, of not you know, keeping everything under the rug. It's just, it's, it, it, it's tough to sort of fully comprehend. And I just think this is going to be a major issue for the team in being prepared for games and having, you know, the right amount of focus and just even just having the right amount of, um, you know, bodies on the practice field. We know how they had a lot of attrition because of, um, you know, the issues that have been going on uh, with the school in particular in the football team. So I'm, I'm, I'm obviously very curious as to what's going to happen in Waco, but I'm also, um, you know, a, a little bit weirdly nervous, even though I have no rooting interest in it. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, we're going to move from Waco to Austin to take a look at our next team. And uh, Charlie Strong is back, um, which if you told me that was going to be the case about, you know, nine months ago, we would have said you're absolutely nuts. Um, but we are – they're back, and uh, they have um, one heck of a linebacker, Malik Jefferson. But uh, they're going to be – I think they're going to be pretty young, right, Josh? Yeah. Um, boy, let's, let's start with the positives because Texas, there's a lot to pick apart with them. But uh, they have a solid – 
rushing attack, and that'll let them shorten games and keep that defense fresh because you'll see why that's important. And the other thing is Charlie Strong. You know, you mentioned that they brought him back, and with good reason, too. This is a guy who turned around Louisville. He's a good coach. I still have faith in him. If Texas dumps him, there's going to be a ton of jobs for him because he's going to be defined by a lot more than what he does at Texas, whether this is his last year or he turns it around and stays there for forever because Strong is that good of a coach. But um, of all the teams that have a shot at the Big 12 and that young talent does put Texas into that group, they still have the worst quarterback situation. And then circling back to the defense, they were really bad last year. They were flat out awful against the rush. I mentioned the day that Warren had against that run defense. And they still remain woefully thin over there. Any injury could spell trouble for that defense, despite having possibly the best singular defensive player in the league on that side of the ball. Uh, And here's another concern I have about this Texas team. They have trips to Stillwater, Lubbock, and Manhattan to face that pesky Kansas State team. They have Notre Dame in the non-conference. And then obviously they have TCU, Baylor, and Oklahoma, all three of which I still think are better than this Texas team. So they need a quarterback to step up. They need the defense to stay healthy because if either of those two falter, I'm not sure Texas even makes a bowl game. And fans, let's be honest, they don't like Charlie Strong. They're itching for a reason to dump him. I'm not even sure he survives seven or eight wins. No, he won't. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think he's. I think he's a good coach. Um, I don't think he's elite. I think he's a very good coach. I think he. I think he does well um, with with what he's tasked is, is to to rebuild programs and still discipline and and and, and instill great defenses. Um, you know, here at the University of Texas the flagship university of that state, there's no reason you should have quarterback issues. You know, you should be able to evaluate that position, and then that's a huge concern of mine. Um, I don't think he's a good fit for Texas. Um, all that being said, I don't think he's a good fit for Texas. I think he – you know, I think that he might be the guy um, that Baylor might call on mm. to, come, to come help them fix that program. You know, he might could be that guy. You know, he might could be the guy that goes in, you know, when Will Muschamp gets fired in South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think that situation South Carolina more for him just because he's a Florida guy to begin with. Yeah. And what, so and, I, and maybe he, just he might end up down the road at A&M when someone gets fired. I still don't, I don't feel like he's a ter- – Or he might go to Boston College. I, I think he's going to be out of the state of Texas. I think he's got to be outside of the state. Maybe he'll go back to maybe he'll go back to the Bluegrass State. Western Kentucky? No, regular Kentucky. <laughs> um, yeah, well, once Mark Stoops is fired. So, um, sorry, Coach, we we'll cut you off there. No, no worries. We're, we're we're running down we're running down scenarios and well, obviously running down a dream. So, oh yeah. Um, we uh, I I don't know. I mean, I I think Texas could be a lot better than they are. Uh, I I just think that. It's just it's not a good situation over there right now. It's not – there's a lot of things surrounding that program, uh, a lot of distractions surrounding that program as far as Charlie Strong's future and, and just why can't – why don't they have quarterbacks. And, you know, it's just a notoriously tough school to win at because of, because of the expectations. And when you don't meet those expectations, sometimes the pressure can crush you. And, and maybe Charlie Strong just realized he's not a good fit for that job and 
he's doing everything he can. And, you know, defensively, he's a great coach. And uh, he did a, he did, he did a tremendous job at, at Louisville. And, you know, he, he had Teddy Bridgewater. So it's not like he can't recruit a quarterback. So um, I don't know what the problem is with, with, with his evaluations. He swung and missed with Tyron Swoops, I think. But, uh, you know, there's no reason that you shouldn't have, have options there. And there's no reason that you shouldn't be a very talented bunch because there's 10 classifications in your state. Oh yeah. Man, get somebody recruit. <laughs> you ain't got to leave. You don't have to leave the borders of your own state. You can sign 25 Texas kids every year and compete like for playoff spots, you know, and he should be able to be doing that. And, and right now he's getting out recruited. He got out recruited. He got his butt kicked by Baylor in recruiting. He got his butt kicked by uh, A&M in recruiting. Um, someone's not doing anything with it. We, we talked about that during the SEC preview, so you need to check that out. Um, so, I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird scenario. They should be on the verge of turning it around. Uh, I hope Charlie Strong can turn it around. I'm just not confident that he can, given the situation that he's in. I'm not sure that – I'm not sure that he doesn't – I'm not sure that he wouldn't be relieved if he – because he'll get a job somewhere else, you know, and he'll get a job pretty quickly. So I'm not sure that he wouldn't be relieved to, to just move on. Um, and not saying he's going to tank and not saying he's not going to try to do the, the best that he can. He will. Um, but I, I think that you see him next year in a different, on a different sideline and, you know, things are totally different. Than yeah, you know, the, the, going back to this Texas team, you know, Obviously, it, it, the key to the team is going to be Shane Bukley, uh, the true freshman quarterback who is, um, you know, looks like he's going to be getting, the, you know, the first team snaps from, from day one. So it's uh, – So we'll, we'll see. I mean, if, if, I mean, if he's, early he's the guy. He, he looks like the best guy in the spring game. But, yeah. Um, you know. If he can do that against Big 12 competition, if he can do that week in and week out, maybe he's got something there, I, you know. I, it's just unsure right now, and, and you don't know. And so, you know, you think coming out of high school, this kid's talented, but, you know, we don't know. We don't know what he's got. I mean, you know, you, you hope for Charlie Strong's sake and for the University of Texas' sake that, that they can turn it around and be good, but you don't know. You really – you know, it's just a lot of a lot of unknowns with, with that team and a lot of things that you think they should be able to do that they don't. Like, they should be able to play a little bit better defense. Malik Jefferson is, is the featured guy over there, but they should have a little help around them, and they should play a little bit more consistently over there. Uh, quarterback play, there's no excuse for that. You know, offensive line, you know, some of their some of their issues, some of their consistency shouldn't, shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. It shouldn't be a problem. You know, running back, they should be able to sign any running back they want in that state. That shouldn't be an issue either. So – I mean, obviously, you know, the boosters want it to happen. Everyone wants it to happen. But, you know, I, it's going to take a little bit for Texas to rebuild its image in that way. But uh, let, let's move out to, uh, to West Texas now for um, the Fun and Gun Red Raiders under Cliff Kingsbury, who is exactly 500 in his, uh, uh, in his three years at uh, Texas Tech going 19 and 19. Uh, Josh, they uh, lost some pretty talented skill players this year in Jakeem Grant and DeAndre Washington, but uh, they've got uh, who the guy who I think, um, a little foreshadowing here, is the best quarterback in the conference, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, you hit the 
nail right on the head. This offense was incredible last year. And despite losing some players, Patrick Mahomes is back for more. Um, I hate saying system quarterback because, let's be honest, every team runs some form of system. And you still have to make the throws. But I'm optimistic that with Cliff Kingsbury and Mahomes, the defense will or the offense will just continue to hum along despite losing some weapons. Um, this is a legit contender, no doubt about it, um, because of Mahomes. But I'm going to highlight a few concerns that I have, and I think everyone has, and why Texas Tech probably won't be able to win the Big 12. And that is their offensive line did have some issues last year. It's always a red flag if you're going to be a contender. And let's be honest, defense was a disaster. We have another contender for the Larry Fedora Fedora Hat Award. That is coaches that are incredible on offense, but just for whatever reason don't seem to want to do anything about defense. Fedora is passing that off because, as we said in the ACC, previewed Gene Chizik has righted that ship. And we have a couple contenders here with Holgerson and Kingsbury. But, um, you know, Big, big, big opportunities for Texas Tech this year. They host both Oklahoma and the Longhorns. And let's be honest, Texas can go 0-12, but if you beat them, that's still a marquee victory in that league. So I've got Texas Tech as a lock to make a bowl game. But I just want to see some effort at improving that program's defense before I say they're ready to make the leap to the next level. They got three winnable non-conference games to me, seven wins is all but locked up. The difference between getting eight or more is going to be the growth of that offensive line and a better emphasis on defense. Yeah, anytime Kingsbury has a quarterback that he loves and trusts and, and wants to, to, to roll with, that's a dangerous thing. I mean, he knows he knows that air raid, sling it around the yard, attack you, attack you, attack you type, type system. And and I think he's really good at. It. I think he's, I think he's uh, developing into a pretty daggum good head coach. And I was, I was ready to. I had my, I had my uh, pitchfork and torch, and I was ready to, I was ready to put him out the pasture. And, and then I, I kind of looked into it further and, and, and realized I was like, wait a minute. For as bad as his defense is, and for as bad as it seems like they play sometimes, he's a really good coach. He's done a really good job with Texas A&M, not Texas A&M, he's done a really good job despite uh, being out-recruited by schools like Texas A&M. That's where I was going with that. Um, And just being, you know, just kind of the the, uh, forgotten school in in that state. Uh, Just, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that I can can see uh, the players love him. The players play hard for him, and that goes a long way. Unlike Dana Holgerson, which has too much talent in his roster to finish last, but I, I feel like if he loses a couple games, he might finish last and it might fall apart. Whereas I think that, you know, I think the Texas Tech could stumble. Texas Tech seems like one of those teams that could stumble and rally versus Holgerson, which could stumble and, and fall flat on their face. So um, that, that that's where I think the difference is. Um, I'm interested to see how he addresses defense and how he how he goes about it, trying to fix it. Um, my hope is that he does because I think I think he's a great fit at that school and I think he's good. 
uh, I think he's a good leader for that school. I think he represents that school with great class. And, you know, I think he, I think the brand of Texas Tech has is, is, is come a long way under, uh, under Kingsbury. So I'm excited to see what he can do there. Um, and, and, and let's, let's, let's see what they can, what they can do. I, I like seeing them in, in bowl contention and, and I hope that they, uh, this is their chance to really make some noise in this conference this year. What I want to see him do, honestly, is do what Fedora or Helfrich did. And that is, obviously, he's not going to get Charlie Strong. But if Charlie Strong gets fired, something similar to that. Fedora went out and got Gene Chizik, Mark Helfrich in Oregon. They went out and got Brady Hoke. You get a guy who has head coaching experience, but also years and years and years of defensive experience. You get your defense right. And you basically have the perfect right-hand man who has head coaching experience. He can help you with everything else. And that is what I would love to see Texas Tech and Kingsbury do. And I think if they do that at some point, either this offseason or or in a year or two, that's what's going to let the Red Raiders take that leap. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty high on on this team this year. I, I like Texas Tech a lot. I think that um, I think that, you know, like I said before, Mahomes is going to be the best quarterback in the conference. And, you know, they're really, you know, their defense was bad last year. I mean, it was really bad, but they were also really young. They were playing so many freshmen. Those guys have more experience under their belts now. Um, you know, they, sh- you know, hopefully will be, uh, you know, injury free to start the year. So, um, well, uh, Moving on north now uh, to the number three spot are the Cowboys of Oklahoma State. Um, uh, Mike Gundy, uh, he's been at uh, he's been at Oklahoma State now, his alma mater, for eleven years. So he's been there for a while, long before since long before he was a man in forty. So uh, he's forty seven now. He is a man. He's a man. He's forty. He's forty seven now. So he's getting up there, um, not really in, in terms of coaching, but um, you know this Oklahoma State team returns a lot of talent um, from a ten-win team last year. So, uh, Josh, uh, what where do you want to start with this team? Oh man, let's let's start with the kids who suit up. And before we get to the man, you mentioned it, Matt. Tons and tons and tons of returning talent, especially on offense. Mason Rudolph. He gets a toss to one of the league's best wide receiver tandems. you got to love that. And then let's go to that old man. Let's go to Mike Gundy. Four times in the last six seasons has his club won 10 or more games. This is one of the more underrated machines in college football. And here's an interesting storyline. Barry J. Sanders, is there some magic there? It's an intriguing storyline as the Okie State legend has his son. He's grad transferring from Stanford. Uh, you know, Sanders last year, he averaged over six yards a carry in a backup role for the Cardinal. The Pokes, if they're thin at any offensive area, it is at running back, so he should get some more reps. I'm curious as to see what he does. Um, let's, and this is a legit contender. There's no doubt about that. If you're going to have any concerns, is the offensive line was good, are the championship good? There's a big difference when you look at the lines of like the third place team versus the first place team. It all starts in the trenches. The three of us love line play when we're breaking down these teams. And the defense was good at times last year, but they took it on the chin 
down the stretch. They gave up an average of 44 points in their final six games, which resulted in a two and four finish. Can they stay healthy? Can they stay active? We'll see. Um, Talent-wise, Okie State's offense will allow them to compete with anyone in the league. But realistically, they got a brutal schedule. They traveled to Baylor, TCU, and Oklahoma. They also have a trip to that annoyingly pesky Kansas State team. I'm not sure they can come out of those road games unblemished, which will really, really put them behind the eight ball in that full round robin where tiebreakers matter so much. So Okie State, they're going to be a lot like uh, what I think North Carolina is, which is they're going to be a 9-10 win team that then just buzzsaws someone in the bowl game where they got championship talent, just difficult schedule, unfortunately. Yeah, this offensive line is going to need to gel. I mean, you have all five starters back, but they've been atrocious for the last three years. You know, they they they've got to, you know, they they've got to gel, um, and it, it's got to it's got to happen. And with Barry J. Sanders coming, maybe you can get some semblance of a run game going now, and and maybe that'll help. Maybe that'll help loosen things up because I think sometimes when you play a team like Oklahoma State, who pretty much throws it ninety five percent of the time. You get teams that come in, uh, blitz the crap out of you, tee off on you, and, and sometimes for, for offensive line, especially inexperienced ones, uh, it, it tends to overwhelm them. It tends to get them, you know, thinking too much, and you know, it just confuses them a lot. And and maybe maybe with their threat to run the ball, maybe defenses will chill out a little bit. Maybe maybe this line can settle in, play well, and then then when they get back to doing what they do, maybe they can start hitting on all cylinders. So. Um, we, they, they've got to protect Rudolph. Uh, they've got to be able to get the ball outside to, to, to Washington and, and Aikman. Um, Barry J. Sanders, hopefully he can get going. But, you know, let's talk about this defense for a minute. You know, let's, let's talk about replacing Emmanuel Ogba and Jimmy Bean. You know, Ogba got drafted by the Browns. He, he's in Cleveland. He had 39 sacks last year. He was my, uh, he was my pick for defensive player of the year, I believe. Uh, at, at some point. So, um, you know, it's going to be tough to replace him. Uh, safety Jordan Stearns, linebacker Jordan Burton, uh, they were the top tacklers. They're back. Uh, so you got that going for him. You, um, Seth Jacobs, he quit football early. He's gone. Um, but Chad Whitener showed, you know, he can, he can ho- hopefully be a leader on that defense as well. So, you know, you've got some guys that can – can lead the way. It's just a matter of whether they're going to step up and lead or not. And and this is one of those teams that if they do, look out. They're going to be dangerous. If they don't, yeah, they'll lose a couple of games. They'll 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 lose a couple of games during that stretch of their season. That that's tough. But um, they'll come back. And, and like Josh said, they will absolutely buzz off somebody. So um, you know, hopefully they can put that loss against Ole Miss behind them. Uh, you know, they got a favorable schedule early, and then then they're at. They got Pittsburgh, they're at Baylor, home against Texas, Iowa State, which is a game that that if they're not on top of their game, they could probably possibly lose that at home. Uh, they get Texas Tech at the end of the year, which is a dangerous game in my opinion. Uh, and of course, Bedlam's always tough, no matter no matter how bad the other team is. It's always a tough matchup. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, especially of these last few years, Oklahoma State's been, you know, increasingly competitive year in and year out. They're a team that I'm – 
always seem to be higher on than most. And I've actually got them as the being the runner up this year. I think they're better than our, the next team on our list, but um, you know, I, they, they've got offense for days. They've got skill players all over the place. Josh, you mentioned uh, Barry Sanders Jr. Barry Sanders not quite walking through that door, but I guess the next best thing is uh, as his son. So you know, uh, but you know, the defense. Uh, you know, yeah, they lost a lot of guys, um, especially Emmanuel Ogba is going to be the most difficult to replace. But um, you know, I've got I, I, I have a weird faith in that staff. They've been. Um, you know, they've been really good for a long time now, and I think they're going to take a new, even more of a step forward this year. Um, I think they might go, you know, something like 11-1 and one, um, in the regular season. So um, we will see uh, how that turns out. But uh, let's head to Cowtown, Fort Worth, Texas, uh, to talk about the number two team in the Big 12 by our predictions, and that is the Horned Frogs of TCU, Gary Patterson, uh, entering his 16th season at the helm. Um, and they have a transfer quarterback from Texas A&M uh, who is going to be their their starter this year, uh, it looks like. And that is Kenny Trill. Um, and, uh, Josh, are you – Kenny Trill. Uh, Josh, you feeling, uh, are, are you feeling uh, Trill about this, about this year? I am. I am. So let's talk about that quarterback – as good as Boykin was, let's just pose a question. Did he really matter all that much? Without him in stretches last year, TCU continued to hum along. And let's look at Kenny Hill. He had some solid performances at A&M. But let's be honest. We've been selling Texas A&M pretty hard. So if we have that program unraveling because of coaching – is it really fair to place the blame squarely on Kenny Hill for losing his starting gig? I think, I think they'll be fine at quarterback. Here's where TCU really is going to make hay and make a run for this league title, and that is we've talked a ton about offense in this league. Frogs have a potentially lethal defense with seven returning starters, including a little bit of foreshadowing, my pick for the league's best defensive lineman in Josh Carraway. Is that enough for him to be player of the year defensively? Stick around and listen. And, Matt, you mentioned Gary Patterson. He is a freaking machine. I, I use that word for Okie State, and it applies with him also. Ten double-digit win seasons in 15 years with the Frog, despite changing leagues twice revamping his offense a few years ago, and obviously joining the big boys in the Big 12. So, yeah, the Frogs aren't your conventional contender with losing their quarterback, losing Josh Doxson, the amazing wide receiver. They lack a go-to ace running back. But let's credit the staff. Let's credit the recruiting. And, like you have to have if you're going to be a contender, they do have a favorable schedule. Both Oklahoma schools come to Fort Worth, as does fringe contender Texas Tech as does that annoying Kansas State team. If they go clean at home and they can earn a tiebreaker over both Oklahoma schools, then they should be able to win the league, even if they split the Baylor and Texas roadies. They're a good contender, great defense. And, I mean, they're, they're maybe a half peg down from Oklahoma, but, damn, this TCU team looks like they have all the pieces. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I'll, I'll be real quick with this one. Uh, you know, they're getting their entire defense back, some of it. Um, you know, they had some guys come back on injury, um, but 
you know, you got you got Gary Patterson. You got you know what he can do with with his teams, even when it seems like that they have nothing left in the tank. They're solid, but they're replacing four offensive line starters, and Matt, I'll let you run with that. And they're replacing uh, they're replacing Anthony Tixada at the cornerback position. So, I mean, I, I think they're a perennial contender. They're always going to be a contender as long as Patterson's there. Um, and I really don't have a whole lot to say about it. Um, I think they're a very talented team all around, and I think they're going to compete. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously they're going to compete. Um, Patterson has traditionally had, you know, great defenses down there, uh, no matter what the amount of talent he had. Um, but now that they've been, you know, airing the ball out the last couple of years, they're uh, they've really turned into, you know, something special. Now, I think the I think harder to replace than Trayvon Boykin is going to be hard is going to be harder to replace Josh Stockson. That dude is a physical freak, and he was, you know. Uh, he could just, you know, Boykin could just roll out by a little bit of time, and just toss it up. He knew jo- he knew Doxon was going to go get it, um, and that's you know uh, one of the reasons I love watching that guy play because he would can just he could out jump everyone high point the ball. He was six two, had nice had you know thick build on him, and knowing he was going to bounce off of DBs. And he won the he won the Bolitta Cup, right? He did. Okay, I was going to say it would be an absolute crime if he didn't. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, um, yeah, it was it was him or Coleman. I actually can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I, I think it was Coleman won the Blitnikoff. Um, <laughs> That's disappointing. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, the Blitnikoff uh, was uh, uh, last year was won by Corey Coleman. Wow, that's, that's unfortunate. So yes. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, I, obviously TC is going to be gr- good. They're, they're going to be a contender every year in the conference going forward. Um, but they are still not quite at the level as our number one team, the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, nope. big, big Game Bob is kind uh, oh, yeah. above everyone else in the conference. And, um, you know, they've, uh, he's got his, his brother Mike, man in the defense for him, got Lincoln Riley, a pretty bright, coordinator running the offense and um in 17 years he's 179 and 46 so he's averaging more than 10 wins a year uh, which is pretty outstanding he is uh obviously proven himself as one of the greats um in the history of the sport not not quite on the level of um you know some of his forebears at oklahoma some of those great teams from the 70s but um you know they have uh, some really good running backs um, Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mix, and Joe Mix has obviously had a lot of off the field issues that he has to deal with. Um, and uh, but they are going to have to replace some of their uh, wide receivers, especially Sterling Shepard, who broke records up and down, um, uh, you know, in, during his time in Norman. But uh, so Josh, uh, obviously Baker Mayfield is back, and that's probably where we need to start with the Sooners. Yeah, I mean. How many teams have two Heisman contenders in the backfield? Oklahoma does. They got Baker Mayfield, Samaje P. Ryan. Mm-hmm. That right there puts them not only a contender in their league, but a contender for the college football playoffs. They got there last year. makes them a contender for the national title. Um, I think that one problem when you have as much talent on offense as Oklahoma does is – the defense gets overshadowed, and that shouldn't be the case. They were ninth in passing last year, 39th in defensive efficiency in this league. That really doesn't seem fair. And you mentioned Bob Stoops. I think he had a few years where 
He maybe doubted himself a little bit that he tried that experiment with co-offensive coordinators, but I think that swagger is back. And I call it that Hayden Fry swagger. I think he learned it in Iowa. Fry was the bombastic Texan. He could do no wrong. He coached with that attitude. Stoops has that attitude again like he did earlier in his tenure. Uh, If there's one concern you have about Oklahoma, can they get enough rushing defense in the big ones? That's what cost them against Clemson. The, the rush defense just didn't show up, but that's a concern for the college football playoff, honestly. I mean, this team has the talent to get back there. Uh, they're more talented than Baylor. They're more talented than Oklahoma State. Um, they get several of those teams at home. In fact, they get TCU, Okie State, and Baylor all in Norman. Um, actually, sorry, they get TCU on the road, but that game is so early that there's no guarantee that TCU will have their quarterback situation all gelled with Kenny Hill. Sorry about that. That's my bad. But um, honestly, as far, yeah, honestly, as far as I can tell, the most difficult game that they have really is hosting Ohio State. And maybe maybe if they drop that one, that's going to prevent them from making a return trip to the playoffs. But OSU only has six starters back. So I, I think Oklahoma's even the favorite in that Buckeye game. And this is weird to say. But my gut is telling me that 12-0 and 0 is more likely than 10-2. and 2. And the three of us don't like calling for a clean slate. We always assume someone's going to trip up somewhere. So that, that shows how high I am on the Sooners. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we're along the lines of 11-1 because I think Ohio State is just one of those games where it's going to be a slugfest. They're coming off, you know, a game against Houston two weeks previous, which – that's going to be a tough game, tough opener in and of itself, um, especially down in Houston's backyard at NRG Stadium. So uh, I, I really, really, really love this Sooner team. I loved them a lot last year. I thought they got buzzsawed a little bit by Clemson, which, you know, is not a knock on them. I just think Clemson was, was ready to win that game and ready to dominate that game. So, you know, it, it, it's a shame that they had to run into Clemson the way they did. Maybe, maybe if they uh, – you know, maybe if they could have gotten lucky and, and had that draw against Michigan State, maybe they could have done a little bit better. But, you know, when you got Baker Mayfield playing with the swagger he's playing with, when you got Samaje P. Ryan, then you got, you know, when Samaje P. Ryan, you know, when, when he gets tired of rushing on you, then you got Joe Mixon. You know, when, when he gets tired of rushing for 200 yards against you, you know, you got, you got some weapons all around. So uh, for, for them, they're going to have to, to fix some offensive line concerns. Um, I think Baker Mayfield went down, what was it, uh, he was sacked 41 times last year. Um, that, that's, that's, that's a little bit high, I'd say the least. So they got to fix some issues in pass protection. Maybe they will. Maybe it's a scouting thing. Maybe it's just a, an experience thing. I, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but uh, they got to fix some issues there in, in, in pass protection so that they can keep Baker Mayfield upright and, and doing what he does best, delivering the ball to his weapons or turning around and handing off to his, uh, his two-headed monster at running back. And, and so, you know, outside of, Ohio, outside of that Ohio State game, I, I think they're going to run the table. Um, and I, I still haven't decided which way I'm going to go with that Ohio State game. I think, I think 12-0, worst-case scenario, 11-1, uh, losing to Ohio State. But uh, I really, really like this team. I think they're going to win this conference. I, I think uh, – I think – TCU is going to have a – I think TCU is going to contend for a while. Um, 
but I think I think Oklahoma State's going to win it hands down. Yeah, I mean they're they're definitely the odds on favorite here, um, but. Uh, you know, I also think that one of the things that might be getting overlooked a little bit for this team this year is their defensive backfield. I keep talking about D-backs and the Big 12, but they're so important. So important. We know how much teams run spread out there. And they lost Zach, Zach Sanchez, who was a first-team All-American last year. Um, but, you know, they still have a uh, – they still have one of the better ones in the conference, if not the best corner in the conference, and Jordan Thomas, um, who can really just shut down half the field. So, uh, you know, or in the Big 12, maybe that's more of a third of the field, considering everyone's got at least three wide receivers on the field at one time. But um, it is uh, – I, I think that their defense is definitely going uh, to obviously keep them in games, and then they can light it up um, with, uh, uh, obviously, with Baker Mayfield behind center. So – Oklahoma, you know, probably going to run away with this one, um, make the playoff again. But I would not be surprised to see them stumble uh, along the way at least once. Uh, probably only once, but I, would, I think they're going to stumble at some point. So, um, so yeah, let's uh, let, let's wrap this up. Uh, Josh, you want to go? Uh, uh, you want to give us how you had it? How you have the conference going down, including the offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. Uh, rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, and First Coach Fired. No problem. Yeah, I got Oklahoma, as I said, edging out TCU. I think Baylor and Oklahoma State maybe even tie for that three spot, uh, just a hair down below them. Uh, for all my concerns about Texas, I have them right in the middle of the pack along with Texas Tech. Then I got Kansas State jumping up there at fourth to last. Then I got my Cyclones as a little bit of a surprise right there on the eight hole. And then I have to have someone slide down. I got West Virginia ninth, Kansas bringing up the rear. Therefore, my Big, Ch- Big 12 champ is Oklahoma. My offensive player of the year, thanks to a surprise bowl game and him having well over 1,500 yards. He might even sniff like 18, 1,900 yards. Believe it or not, I got Mike Warren, Keen, Iowa State from his running back position. My defensive player of the year, I sort of teased it a little bit earlier. I'm going with that god dang good off that dang good defensive lineman. I can't talk. That's how excited I am about Josh Caraway's play down there for TCU. I think a lot of people expect the Frogs to take a step back. Therefore, by them finishing second, Gary Patterson wins another coach of the year. By rookie of the year, because everyone's expecting TCU to not be as good. Therefore, I got Kenny Hill. Key in that frog offense. My first fired is a tie. They get fired the same day, right at the end of the year on Black Friday. Charlie Strong, Dana Holgerson, Texas and West Virginia. All right. Well, um, I like uh, defense first. I like Oklahoma. Um, You know, obviously, I think they're going to edge out TCU. Uh, Then I think it's going to be, uh, I, I, I like, to be honest, I, I know I've probably changed my mind about 37 times. I feel like I feel like a uh, I feel like a girl picking out an outfit here and just can't really seem to find the right fit. Um, so I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Baylor, and then I'm gonna go with no. Actually, no. I'm sorry. I'm going Oklahoma State, then Baylor, then Texas, then Texas Tech, then West Virginia, then uh, then Kansas State, and then Kansas. So, uh, well, actually, no. Iowa State's above Kansas State. Um, in there, I'm all over the place. I, I apologize, <laughs> but, uh, but 
Let me rerun that down for you. Uh, let me go Oklahoma, TCU, Oklahoma State, uh, Texas. Then I'm going to go Texas Tech, Baylor. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Kansas State, Iowa State, and then uh, Kansas, obviously. You forgot West Virginia that time. <laughs> I'm still in the car, guys. It's, okay. yeah, it's, it's funny. Okay. It's funny because we, we got our composite like spreadsheet up, and actually, other than having your top three the same, you changed four through ten. <laughs> yeah, your original was Oklahoma, TCU, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Texas, Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas State, Iowa State, Kansas. Let's go with that. I'll, I'll stick with my original. All right. I, you know, let's. I, I, let's, let's they always say go with your gut instinct. All right, uh, player of the year, Baker Mayfield, offensively. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a leader in the conference. I think he's going to run away with that. Uh, defensive player of the year, I'm going Malik Jefferson. I think he's going to uh, – I think he's going to have a huge year at Texas because I think he's going to lead the resurgence there um, as well. Uh, top newcomer of the year, uh, rookie of the year, I'm going to go Devin du- DuVernay. All right, and I hope I pronounced that right. It's Baylor. I think he's going to be a key – a key piece for that. Uh, and then uh, I think Coach of the Year, obviously big game Bob, with uh, with my dark horse being uh, Cliff Kingsbury, just, uh, depending on what he can do, um, if he can win a few games that he shouldn't. Um, I think the first coach to be fired is going to be Dana Holderson. Uh, I think that just Kansas is so hapless that, they're, that it's not even David Beatty's fault. So uh, I think he's safe for the time being. So I think it's going to be Holderson. Um, and then maybe uh, they're going to be there's going to be a tough decision on Charlie Strong, so I'm not going to try to predict that he's going to be the first one out because I think Holderson's going to be the first one out. I think Charlie Strong's probably going to be next, and I think this can be your only two fires in this conference. All right. Well, uh, from the top, I've got Oklahoma followed by Oklahoma State. Uh, TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Texas, Baylor, Kansas State, Iowa State, Kansas. Obviously, Oklahoma's the champ. Uh, my offensive player of the year is Texas Tech quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Uh, defensive player of the year, Oklahoma corner Jordan Thomas. Coach of the year, because of their second-place finish, Mike Gundy. And uh, rookie of the year, uh, Shane Bookley, uh, the quarterback at Texas. He'll be up and down, but... I think he'll have the most impressive resume by the end of the year. First coach fired. Um, I'm going to say despite Buckley's strong uh, arm, uh, Charlie Strong is the first one to go. So, um, and that is going to wrap up our show for today. So um, I'd like to thank uh, Josh Cook in Chicago and the coach. Yeah, yeah. And- I, just wanted to, I just wanted to say one fast thing because we talked about Big 12. I don't think they should look to expand quite yet. We've only had two years of the tournament. They made it one year. We're left out the other. I, I'm not buying Houston just yet. I'm not buying Memphis just yet. If I'm Bob Bowlesby, I'm taking the patient approach, and that's all I'm going to say about expansion. All right. Um, yeah, well, that will definitely be a topic uh, coming up in the future on the podcast. So, um, But for now, we are going to sign off. And so thanks so much for downloading. And we'll see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.